Well, hey, gang. Welcome to another episode of Sprinkles with a Z at the end for extra fabulousness. I am Timmy V, and I am here to help you find your next favorite TV show, movie, or podcast. Today, we have an exciting, exhilarating show for you, chock full of terrific, fabulous, and exciting recommendations for the queue of your life. So be prepared. Um, Today, we're talking about three fabulous things. One, number one, is a new podcast called It Makes a Sound, which is uh, from the makers of, or at least the production company that makes Welcome to Night Vale, and my personal favorite, Alice Isn't Dead. And this is a fantastic podcast, so be prepared. Then we're going to be talking about one of my all-time favorite murder mystery shows. It is The Killing. And last but not least, we have one incredible tasty treat sensation. Everyone prepare yourselves for episode 14 of Sprinkles. So, podcast listeners, I'm about to recommend a wonderful, a wonderfully creative and exuberant, joyous uh, podcast that is slightly um, sanguine. (laughs) I don't really know what sanguine means. I think, I like to think that it means something that's just a little sad, just a little, just a touch of sadness, a little melancholia, a little melancholy, melancholia in there. Um, but it's, it's, so it's not saccharine, it's sanguine. I think that's right. If it's not, if that's not the real meaning of sanguine, I just explain what I think it means. And that is what I mean to say when this show is a little sad. Just a smidgen. It's just, there's an edge of it. Like if you had like a wine glass and it's just the the very, whoa, whoa. Like if you put your finger across the, the tip of it, you know, the tip, the very tip of the wine glass, whoa, whoa. And put, like your hand was a little wet, whoa, whoa. It makes those little noises. It's that, it's just that, it's just that rim, that edge. That's all that there is, that sadness. Otherwise, it's positive and it's upbeat. And so it is written and uh, co-directed and featuring predominantly Jacqueline Landgraf. And she plays this character named Deirdre, which I love the name Deirdre. You don't hear it very often anymore. If ever, I, I don't know if in my whole life I've heard of it, except for someone on a, like a TV show or movie. So I'm sure back in the day it was a, a popular name, but I personally have never met a Deirdre um, or Deirdre, as some people are, are just like to say, um, Gardner. So Deirdre Gardner is this individual, she's is this female character, who lives in this, what I believe is a Midwestern town, in a, a former golf resort suburb of sorts. So they, <laughs> so it's, she lives in this, this, town that I guess used to have a golf like course course and it was like a resort and then the golf course went out of business and it went under so to speak and then so the kind of the town kind of just dries up so um she lives there and so she you kind of 
it's kind of mysterious at first. You're kind of like, what is happening here with Deirdre? <laughs> Deirdre, who, and who else lives with Deirdre? You're a little uncertain, so I don't want to give a lot away about the those mysteries, although they kind of unfold quickly. Um, but she is very much kind of like a, um, she reminds me sort of like uh, the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Kimmy Schmidt, um, in the sense that she has this optimism and this zeal for life and this extraordinary passion and obsession for certain things. And I am a person who has certain obsessions and passions. And so I don't really get an opportunity to talk about them very much, except on the show. And then I'm always like, blah, 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 gushing, 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 talking, 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 like, like, just like high on caffeine, which is, it's, you know, I'm not drinking caffeine at the moment, but it's just because of the passions. And so the character, Deirdre, Gardner has this passion for this musician named Wim Theros. And Wim Theros was a, um, a child who was approximately her age when she was growing up in this, this town. And so Wim Theros um, apparently played um, a show, a musical show, um, when, when Deirdre Gardner was, I think, in eighth grade or something like that at the community center of the golf course. And so from that that moment, I think that's when Deirdre became uber fascinated with Wim Theros. And you basically, it's inferred that Wim Theros went on to be quite a famous musician of some sort, or of at least some renown. And so Deirdre is, and this is where it's a little sanguine, Okay, so I was totally wrong. Uh, sanguine actually means optimism in the face of in the face of bad times. So it actually applies. That actually applies even better than what I thought it really meant. So, well, the other hilarious thing. So I've been recording this particular episode of Sprinkles with a Z for the past three weeks, and because usually takes me that long to get all the pieces together. And so last night I was watching on Hulu. Modern Family, which I love and I'll be talking about in a future episode. Um, but anyway, so Claire Dumphy on the show, who I love, she was in this hoity-toity book club and she felt like inferior. So she kept trying to use fancy words she didn't know the meaning of, one of which was sanguine. And she kept using misusing it throughout the whole episode. And I was like, oh, honey, I've been there. I feel you. So now you, we all know what sanguine means. Yay! Okay, so back to Deirdre. So she's middle-aged, and so some things in her life haven't gone quite like she would have liked them to. But looking back, she remembers Wim Theros in the time of Wim Theros's first um, performance and how that was so magical and how her town, which is named Rosemary Hills, um, was kind of the birthplace of this genius of that was Wim Theros. Um, and so, you know, even though, you know, it's one of those things that you, it's seeing something that is no more or that is, um, I guess, has seen better days and somehow breathing new life into it just through wishes and desires and hopes. And um, there's something very beautiful of, like about that energy. Um, I think we've all had those moments in our life where we reflect back with rosier um, glasses 
and where we kind of get this inspiration that somehow we can bring back or rekindle some kind of um, beauty in our own lives through, um, you know, somehow reworking the past or revisiting something um, that was a big part of our life in the past. Um, fascinating. This is such a great podcast. And so I'm so curious where they're going to go with it. And it's pretty much a one-woman show. I mean, there's a couple of different um, voice actresses that are have been on it so far, just kind of in bits, parts. Jacqueline Langraft's voice is just amazing. And then I was listening to one of the episodes, and I was like, this other actress, I said, her voice sounds so familiar. It's kind of like a Midwestern-y Wisconsin uh, accent. And I looked it up, and you will not believe whose voice it was. Yes, it's true. It was Siobhan Fallon Hogan. She was on Saturday Night Live back in the 90s. It was when the Delta, Delta, Delta can help you, help you, help you. Um, and she was in um, Wayward Pines. And if you didn't listen to my episode about Wayward Pines, she stole the show on that. And I had the worst time with her name. Um, here's a little flashback for you. My favorite being played by Saban. <laughs> I knew I knew I was going to screw this up. Okay. Saban. It's Siobhan Fallon Hogan. But in my defense, it is spelled... S-I-O-B-H-A-N, which apparently, and I didn't know this, is the way that Irish people spell Siobhan. Um, I was like, what? I actually had to like watch like four or five YouTube videos to figure out <laughs> that her name is Siobhan and not Siobhan. And so just as a reminder, uh, Siobhan Fallon Hogan was in... Um, Wayward Pines, which you all should have watched by now. She's fabulous and great, and I love her accent, and it's in full glory in one of these episodes. So, okay, so back to the business. This is a great podcast. It is one of those optimism, fun, positive... There is one episode where basically... Because basically, she has this audio cassette that she recorded back in the day when Wim Ferris first played this, you know, party at this golf resort club room. And so she has this audio cassette of it, but she doesn't have an audio player, so she has no way to play it. So in one of the episodes, she, to the best of her ability, tries to recreate the song from um, basically memory from like 20 years before um, and with some very crude homemade musical instruments. It's one of the best things. I was like busting out laughing. I was sitting there in my car on my lunch break from work, eating my White Castles and listening to this show and just cracking the heck up in my car. It is, this is, it's just so fun. It's so endearing. It is endearing. I hate to say it, but it's, it's true. Um, and you can find this wherever you find podcasts at. So, um, again, it makes a sound, um, and it is fabulous. Again, it's by the makers of, well, it's by um, Night Vale Presents, which pr- gives you Welcome to Night Vale. And again, my personal favorite, um, Alice Isn't Dead. Uh, both fascinating, but Alice Isn't Dead is my favorite. So again, it makes a sound, the podcast. It is terrific. Um, put it on your cue and enjoy. Amazed 
that I have not talked about this show before on this podcast because this is episode 14 and that means that I've talked about quite a few shows so far and I'm really amazed that this hasn't come up yet. I think I was going to save it for my a second uh, mystery-themed episode, um, but I didn't really want to wait anymore. <laughs> I wanted to put this out um, because this is one of my all-time favorite murder mystery shows. Um, it's called The Killing so it's The Killing, and it aired uh, originally, uh, the first season aired in 2011, and there are four seasons. Um, the, it, it jumped around, I think, to different cable networks, um, and then the final season is actually a Netflix original. So if you like a good murder mystery, you just cannot really get much better than this. So it's set up where a girl has gone missing, um, and there's a, you know, she has a family and then there's, so there's that, there's that story arc. Um, and that, that particular arc, the missing girl and what happened to her, um, lasts for the first two seasons. And then the third season has its own mystery. And then the fourth season does as well. But there are, um, some continuing storylines throughout all of them. Um, and the primary characters, um, besides, like, the missing girl, the real the real main characters are played by Muriel Enos, who is fantastic. And she's been in a lot of things. She's one of those actresses that you may or may not recognize from a couple of different um, things that she's been in. She was in World War Z with Brad Pitt. She was in... Um, she's in the upcoming Philip K. Dick's um, Electric Dreams on... I think that's on Prime coming up. Um which looks interesting. We'll have to see. Um, but anyway, she's been on a lot of different things. She was in, um, oh, what was it? I think it's called, um, oh, the, it was called The Catch. Um, and I think it was only on for like two seasons, I think, that was on NBC. Um, anyway, so she is, she plays this fascinatingly wounded detective where she's very strong and independent Um be, and she's that way because she has quite an extensive trauma history. Um, so she's terribly vulnerable um, because of that. Like, she doesn't rely on others or she doesn't really take care of herself in the way that she should. And, of course, that comes back to bite her later. Um, and so, and she has a son, um, I guess, who's like 11 or 12. And he's played by Liam James, um, who was in... Um, the ABC's show The Family, which had so much potential. Um, it was one of those imposter shows, question mark, is he an imposter or not, um, where this um, boy disappeared, and then this guy, sh young man, shows up and says, I'm back, and then you're like, is he, isn't he? It, and there were so many, like, it could have been really cool. It just didn't work out, so it didn't get renewed. Um, but anyway, he's a great actor. So she, so she um, has the son, and so they are perpetually like in and out of their own crises about like where are we gonna live and stuff like that. And then um, the second main character of the show is played by the um, Swedish actor Joel Kinnaman. Um, although you wouldn't know that he's Swedish, um, he has a perfect um, American accent, and um, his father was American-born. Um, anyway, so he he's fantastic. He was in the new RoboCop, the 2014 RoboCop reboot, and then he was in um, a season, a couple of seasons of um, 
Netflix's oh, what the the one with House of Cards. House of Cards. I had to look it up. I had to Google it. Uh, I'm sorry. I have to admit that. I don't know why I had to Google it. But it, that's he was in House of Cards. He's always terrific. He's a fascinating. And he, so he plays a recovering addict detective um, who has his own lack of self-care and boundary issues. Um, but they both love their jobs. These detectives both because of their own histories, are there to try to save other people. And because they are not, they are so, like, wounded, um, they perpetually make horrible choices for themselves, and then that bleeds into their job. Um, so you have these two very dedicated but very, like, flawed individuals who are trying to help solve this mystery. And the thing about this show, every episode, I swear, it's every single episode at the very, very, very last second, there's this huge twist. Like, you you know, they throw out this huge bomb shell, and it's like, boosh! And then there's a cliffhanger. And so, literally, you, you swear to yourself you're not going to watch another episode. It is too late. You were supposed to go to bed an hour and a half ago, but you had to watch one more because of the last cliffhanger, and you won't do it this time. But then you see the twist happen, and you're like... Oh no! Because you know you're gonna have to watch one more episode. I cannot tell you how much sleep I lost because of this show, but it is so good. And the other thing is, is that there is there's definitely some homages to other uh, TV shows that influenced it. There's a couple of scenes that mimic exactly um, like Twin Peaks, the um, at least the like the first I think the first episode of Twin Peaks. Particularly, there's there's a couple of scenes that it's exactly the same. Uh, or not exactly the same. It's just very, very heavily influenced, and you can see that. And I think they they did that on purpose as kind of an homage. Um, I mean, they take some very classic elements of mystery shows, and then they go their own way. It is so... I've recommended the show to so many people, and they have loved it. It is very intense. Um, there's a lot of unfortunate violence and brutality and murder, hence the murder mystery. Um it, I mean, it's serious. This is not Murder, She Wrote, which I love Murder, She Wrote. Um, but it's not, this is not Murder, She Wrote. This is very hardcore. Um, very hardcore. Um, in the second, I think it's the second or the third season, there's sex trafficking of teenagers. It definitely touches on a lot of different subjects. And it's, it is upsetting at times, very upsetting. Um, but it is so well, it's so well done. The acting is so well done. The story is so well crafted. Um, and you were just, you know, praying and hoping and rooting for um, these two detectives to figure things out and to, you know, get help for themselves and and to help everybody else in this situation. It is fantastic. So um, I will say that the last season was not my favorite, um, at least the the like the encapsulated mystery of the, the fourth season. It just didn't work for me very well, even though it had... Joan Allen in it, and Joan Allen um, was actually in The Family um, that we were talking about earlier. Um, She is fantastic. She's uh, an incredible actress, and so I was, um, so I'm so glad to see her in this show, but, and her, and she's great in it, but just the storyline itself was just not really up to par, but the way they wrap it all up at the end is worth it. It's worth watching the, the fourth season just for that, and it's good. It's just not incredible. The first two and three uh, third seasons of the show were amazing. Um, 
the fourth one's okay, I guess I should say. But it, it does, at the very end, wrap it all up So with a big bow. And so I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for Netflix for saving the show because it got canceled twice. And then it got brought back. And then it got brought back brought back again by the last time by Netflix. So I'm so grateful for Netflix for doing that. Um, it is an amazing show. Please put this on your queue um, and enjoy it. So lastly, we have a healthy, tasty treat sensation. Actually, I probably should say healthy-ish. I mean, there's sugar in it, so therefore, I think, i.e., therefore, it is somewhat not healthy. But it is protein and calcium, so that's healthy. And it's yogurt, so therefore, it has those probiotics or live active cultures um, that do things to you. (laughs) They do things to you that are good for you. So, yeah, it's like a masseuse or a workout coach. They do good things to you. (laughs) So, Noosa yogurt is this just divine Australian yogurt. So, we have an Australian Australian tie-in. Anyway, so this yogurt is just so fantastic. So, they have um, two different sizes. The original is an 8-ounce size, and it's really kind of a lot of yogurt, um, I love it, but it's a lot of yogurt. So in, even in one sitting, like, I would eat one, and I'd be, like, full and not done with it, but I'd be like, I can't let this yogurt go to waste. It's so good. And then I would eat all of it, and then I'd be like, that was too much yogurt. And yes, you can have too much yogurt. Um, but the flavors are very unique and fabulous. So the ones that I love the most, and these are in the larger sizes, um, in the 8-ounce sizes only, um, but is the Blood Orange Oh my gosh, it's so yummy and different. It's like, you know, I've never had blood orange yogurt before. I don't even know if it existed before Nusa. And that's N-O-O-S-A, Nusa. Nusa. And um, again, it's Australian yogurt. It's not Australian-style yogurt. I'm not even sure why, what that means, other than it's delicious. Now, in the four ounce, it comes in four packs of four ounces. So you either buy like a single eight ounce or you can buy a four pack of four ounces. And um, the flavors in this um, in the four ounces are is limited to blueberry, which is delicious, tart cherry, which is delicious, which I usually get, vanilla, which is terrific. They have a great just straight up vanilla. And then it's hard to find. I found it at Target actually. They have a cherry vanilla, and that's the best. But again, it's hard to find, and you I, so far I've only found it at Target. Um, I looked on Amazon, and you can actually order it through Amazon. So hey. Um, but again, they have a lot of different flavors in like the larger sizes. And my particular favorite is blood orange. Um, that's only available in the larger size and it is unbelievable. And at first I was like, that's kind of sounds like a citrus based, um, yogurt. I wasn't so sure about that, even though I love pineapple, um, yogurt. And I think they do have a pineapple yogurt. And have I ever told you about my theory about pineapple being a citrus fruit? It's not really a theory. It's more of a belief system. But that's like a whole show in and of itself. But let's just say it involves pineapple um, back in the prehistoric times looking much more like its uh, cousins or brethren, a.k.a. grapefruit and oranges. And then the comet comes and like the dinosaurs die and then magmatic conditions create this um, Darwinian evolution of the pineapple to get that exterior like hardened shell to protect itself from lava. Um 
<laughs> yeah, so if you actually Google pineapple as a citrus fruit, I suspect you will find my blog post from many years ago about why it is, and it's pretty fantastic. Um, and then you can find a friend of mine's, like, antithesis, like, um, blog post full of, like, science and what have you. Seriously, check it out. You will not regret it. But um, anyway, so these are really great. I like the small little ones um, for breakfast, and then I have, like, a protein bar. Um, But they are super, super creamy, super great. And so they kind of, it's not like fruit on the bottom, but it's kind of like fruit on the bottom because you have to kind of stir them up to get all the fruit in there. Um, And I've also just discovered, thanks to the internet, that they have what's called Noosa Mates. So it's like the smaller size, but then they have like peanuts and like chocolate chips to go in them. So they have a, which is like banana chocolate peanut uh, yogurt. They also have a coconut almond chocolate, yum, or a honey cranberry almond. Those sound amazing. I have not seen those in my grocery store, so I'm waiting, Nusa. Get those over to us. Because um, d- wouldn't doesn't that sound great? Banana chocolate peanut yogurt? That sounds great. So basically, it's the yogurt, and then on the top, it's like the add-ins, and so you mix them in and stir them up. Yum! Anyway, it is delicious. So if you're a yogurt fan, if you don't know about Nusa, I just had a friend of mine recommend it to her. In fact, I, um, I had a, a couple extra that I shared with her. Loved them. Addicted to them, you will too. Noosa. Well, okay, gang, so that's the the end of the show. We're, we're calling it wraps. We're calling it quits for today. We will be back soon with another episode with some of your new coming favorite shows, your new to become your favorite shows, like I should say. I appreciate you listening in and can't wait until next time for Sprinkles with a Z at the end. I mean, it's serious. This is not Murder, She Wrote, which I love Murder, She Wrote.